Welcome to the Investing for Life podcast, where we apply proven investment principles to the lives of successful business people to help you enrich your own. With your host, Douglas Isles. I'm delighted to be joined today by Ali Mohammed. I met Ali when I was running a workshop version of Investing for Life, and I enjoyed his story and thought I'd like to share it with the listeners. Ali started his career as an engineer in the Indian Air Force, and today is an experienced financial planner based in Melbourne with a demonstrated history of working in the financial services industry. He founded Planet Wealth in 2010, and Ali is skilled across budgeting, business planning, coaching, wealth accumulation, disability insurance, and with an accreditation in self-managed super funds. So, Ali, thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get that. So I want to start by uh, talking about your experiences in, in moving to Australia back probably almost 20 years ago now. Can you, can you sort of describe what it was like when you, when you first arrived? See, um, I came here uh, as a permanent resident to start with. I didn't come here as a student. I came here as a permanent resident, as a qualified um, aeronautical engineer uh, in 2004. So we were very happy as a family, me, my wife, and my two-year-old twins that we are moving to a country which is um, first world country, not a third world country. We were very happy. Um, then we landed here. Then we realized uh, it was a bit of a shock for us because um, the qualifications was not recognized in Australia. And then they said, we have to go back to university and start again. So that must have felt terrible at the time. Yes, um, because it's a little bit frustration because if I was young and alone, probably I, I wouldn't mind going back to uni and studying and doing some part of part-time work. But because I came with the family and, and we didn't come with a lot of money, so it, it's, it's very uh, difficult for us to study as well as look after the family and stuff. What, what was it that had attracted you to the idea of moving here in the first place? See, I had my um, uh, brother living here. So um, when I was in India, it was a little bit tough, not, not so as easy as uh, in Australia there. It, it's work is very tough and then you don't make enough money and we were not going anywhere with our lives. So when my brother came to visit us uh, for my kid's birthday, then he said, uh, oh, what are you doing here? I can help you apply for your migration. And then why don't you come and live in Australia? And that was like a very good opportunity for us. So having had that shock what what was what, what came next um because even if i had to work in the similar field with a qualification i was living in southeastern suburbs of melbourne whereas uh, the airport was in Tullamarine, otherwise in avalon so they said we can give you some sort of a job as a labor and then you you probably have to work in the shift system in whichever airport we need you so, which was not an option because the kids were very young and, and, and um, driving in Australia was uh, uh, as an issue for me. And then I didn't have a car. I didn't <laughs> have a license. And uh, so, this, everything was a challenge. And on top of it, I was not very good with my English. So, what was the first sort of first work that you, that you ended up doing? Um, I, I, because I, uh, after finishing with my Air Force job in India as an engineer, I worked for a few years with Apple where I used to provide solutions for the creative industry. So I actually got a job as a salesman in a sign shop, which is called Sign Rama. Um, they have like a lot of franchises in Melbourne. So I actually got enrolled to be a salesman there. Uh, fortunately, the boss who was interviewing me very was very kind. He was happy to see me. I have 
um, a lot of knowledge about the products and um, services they're doing. Um, but the issue was definitely as a salesman, you need to speak to clients and uh, English was a, uh, a big issue. And then he said, okay, you're living in an area, you're working in an area where uh, a lot of migrant communities are there in Box Hill. So language is not an issue as long as you you learn to live with it. And uh, yeah, we started there as a job, as a salesman. And this was in 2004. Okay, so you're uh, you're selling signs. You're You're not really speaking much English at this point. So um, how did you, I guess, how did you make your sales? <laughs> <laughs> so um, predominantly boss used to take us to a, uh, uh, any shopping center, drop me there. So my job was to just go distribute the brochures. And if, if anybody looks for a signage, then probably either I'll call the boss or uh, um, take a tape measure and measure what they want and then come back and uh, whatever I understood, I used to explain it to the boss. And then that's how the process started. Um, but it was very interesting because it was challenging, but it was very interesting um, uh, to get those sales done and probably make a living for myself. I suspect at the time people make some kind of a judgment and inside you, you, you're a qualified engineer. I mean, can you just sort of talk what it, what it felt like at the time having, you know, moved countries with a family and. See, um, when, when we got interviewed to, uh, when we apply for like a permanent residency here, um, they they said, oh, you will be like a really good help for Australian community. The moment you come here, you can help the community, that sort of a thing. So I was actually of the opinion that the moment I come here, I will land in a plush job where I make money in dollars. And, and uh, uh, so, you know, you start dreaming big about having a good lifestyle, having a car here. So, which wasn't the case. Which wasn't the case, but it, it's um, um, and now I understand that uh, you cannot because the standards are different of um, in terms of the technology I worked on compared to the technology what they had. So naturally, they wanted us to go back to uni and study and then come back. Okay, so you you went to uni as well, or did you follow no, the, no, the signage I, path? I, no, I have decided to not to pursue with my aeronautical engineering career, and then. I wanted to work with people and I wanted to improve on my language and uh, see what happens next. So I continued working in retail industry for about six years. Um, my last job was as a salesman in Harvey Norman in non-awarding in, in Melbourne. Um, and during this time, I've been introduced to a financial advisor by one of my colleagues. And um, I was getting help from this financial advisor and he also actually motivated me, in fact, to take up the uh, education required so that I can actually start doing my own things. So you've gone back to, back to school after, after a six-year six period? Yes. Uh, it was only like a one-week course to become an uh, insurance broker those days. Right. And then, yeah, um, I started working for a company called EIA. Um, as a as a commission agent while while working for Harvey Norman as well, it was like a part time job. Okay, and uh, we used to make money only on the commissions, but it was challenging because you have to go sell insurance and make people understand that risk management is very important in life. Yeah, and how was your English by this point? Uh, had it had it come um, a, a long way? Was it enough to to have let's say more detailed conversations? Yes, um, working in retail, I picked up picked up the language and, and yeah. uh, so initially it was like watch a lot of news um, most of the English programs and and uh, read newspapers we used to have physical newspapers those days so read newspapers and 
um, initially it was like mug up few sentences because those are the sentences you normally use with people and then slowly slowly you pick up on the language um, by the time i started doing my insurance work i'm pretty good at that yeah right so that's that sort of that that learning period and, and presumably your uh, your family had the the same challenges to to overcome at that period as well um, the kids were too young, so they're more or less Aussie. So they grew up here. They only speak English now. Uh, and But my wife has actually an um, um, English medium school education back home. So she was okay. So that was one more reason why I was not really focusing on uh, speaking in English because wherever it is necessary, she would actually jump in and do the stuff. She would, she would talk for you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've got into um, financial planning at this point. So we're we're looking back, sort of what late about 2009, 2010. Do you want to take us through yes, the sort of yes. the journey and and how it evolved from there? 2009, I've actually registered my company and then still working part time in Harvey Norman. And after six months, I realized that okay, this is something which I like. Um, I wanted to take it up as a full time occupation. So I gave up my job. Uh, by the time I was pretty successful, I got three awards and industry and stuff my my businesses Harvey Norman was not willing to leave me at the stage so I had to make a choice uh, because definitely I haven't come all the way to Australia to become a retail sales agent so I just thought okay I wanted to give it a go um, I resigned my job started full-time um, and uh, um, happened to meet uh, Association of Financial Advisors CEO um, on, on a uh, on a trip to Queensland, Queenstown in New Zealand and uh, uh, had an opportunity to talk to him and uh, explain to him with my background and what problems I have. So he suggested uh, AFA has a program for mentors and mentees. So they were actually matching up and they put me onto a really good mentor um, who actually helped me immensely um, to what I am today. So that was a very important part of the of the journey. You think to have done this on your own would have been much harder. Very difficult, very yeah. difficult. So he jumped in and said, oh, I won't let you work from home. You have to come and sit in my office. And uh, um, just sitting in his workplace, observing things, what he was doing, how his day looks like, and how his staff were doing, um, what sort of compliance they were doing. It was, it was, it's a lot of learning. Um, though we didn't actually, he didn't teach me um, like make me sit in front of him and say that, okay, this is how you have to do. But um, um, we used to observe and typically my business now is probably a photocopy of his business. Right. Okay. So a very, very valuable um, yes. lesson. Do you do you uh, provide mentor services yourself today? Do you, have you sort of given back in some way? Um, I, I do if somebody wanted to, but um, as of, as of me, all my clients are, I treat them as like, they treat me as a coach. It's not about just um, advising them on few products. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle they're looking for and, and most of the people come to this country. Um, it's not about just buying a house or paying the mortgage. It's all about looking at the big picture and say what they wanted to. Most times actually clients are people you talk to don't have a purpose in life. So you have to sit with them and make them realize that what is that they're looking for. So not everybody has to look for like a, a really bigger goal. So if you really enjoy doing it, that's okay. But but if somebody wanted to be conservative and have a simple goal of just paying off their home and making sure they have enough money for retirement, that's still pretty good. But as long as they have it 
very clear in their mind what they wanted to achieve or what they wanted in life i think which is like really important so setting up goals for them is is one good thing and then probably sit with them year on year and help them to achieve them is is very satisfying so i feel i'm probably officially not a qualified mentor uh, but helping them to achieve their own goals is like very satisfying so that's interesting because i suspect a lot of people you think financial planning you think the first thing you think of is money and you're flipping this around and the sort of core element you're describing is purpose or or goals so i guess i'd quite like to unpick that i guess i guess at what point did you have that realization or where, where did that come from and, and how's that evolved see um very early in, in in my occupation i actually had a client who was quite successful i'm talking about probably a multimillionaire worked really hard but i could see he was not happy having a lot of family issues a lot of legal issues um facing him he would he wouldn't actually enjoy his life but though there is like a lot of money at his disposal so it's really important for us to balance it out and say that okay you definitely need money because you wanted choices in life but then afterwards if you really enjoy making money which will give you more choices for yourself but you can also make a change in somebody else's life by providing an employment or doing a charity or do anything so you you are actually you have a bigger purpose in life okay uh, for somebody who is not enjoying life and if i sit with him and say okay i'll help you build let us say 20 investment properties for example it's a 20 problems because every tenant will call him and say that okay this is not working that is not working government rules taxes and stamp duties and all sorts of things so it's it's not really worthwhile doing it if you're not enjoying it but you have to understand where every client is you have to sit with them and find out finding out nothing but is asking them more questions and say that what is the client looking for in life so from the beginning that's been the the approach you taken to this solving this problem or did you or did you sort of learn this the hard way oh initially when i started it was about paying my bills as well yeah so you need to probably sell some insurance to everybody which is which is not bad but because i was also looking at um, um having a lot of clients who are like migrants like me risk management or insurance was like a big component because we don't have any backup if something were to go go wrong here but then the community started growing people started working in um, um, good industries in it and people have become entrepreneurs like me um, they started making money so you have like a whole heap of options for the people now is you're not talking about products anymore i don't talk to people about products anymore the only thing i ask people is if if you as an individual or as a family if you have to stop work tomorrow what is that you want okay so then i'll literally sit with them take a pen and paper and and add stuff onto that and say would you really stop work if you have all these things in in life tomorrow so uh, most of the people will say yeah because i tell them it is then it actually tells you what sort of risk they are willing to take um, to achieve whatever stuff they wanted in life so if they somebody is in like young aspiring to be very wealthy 
then you know that okay he has the capacity to take that risk then i then explain them what sort of problems might come so you might see a lot of fluctuations whenever there is a pandemic whenever there is a war somewhere else so you prepare them mentally as well and say okay if if there is short time losses you should be able to be like really be strong so that you can achieve those goals in the long term how easy is it to translate that sort of sense of what someone wants into into a number you hear people talk about oh, if i hit x and i i will retire it's a it's as if it's this kind of magic number they're aiming for is it it sounds from what you're saying it's a lot more emotional or or complex than that um see as an advisor i i also wanted to play safe with people so we go for the goals which are predominantly to make sure they are they have no liabilities uh, uh, by the time they reach certain age and they also have enough money so that they don't have to because everyone is planning for uh, their retirement all their life because from the age of 5 or 6 they're going to school so that one day they can get into a job so 20 years of education 40 years of work we are doing so that we can be comfortably living from age 65 to 85 which is only 20 years so at every stage at any point you are talking to a young person or old person everybody is trying to prepare for their retirement so when you go and sit with sit with them i don't want to give them too many challenges when when somebody is giving me a goal as a financial advisor i'm not writing them a check isn't it what i do is i give them commitment based on their affordability so i don't want to give them too many commitments and scare them so i wanted to make sure first two years i'll make sure okay their risk is taken care okay so as long as they have work i know that they can pay off a house and they'll make sure that they have enough in their retirement by putting a little bit extra in their super so if you if you do this as a financial advisor you're literally making sure everybody retires comfortably yes. How, how much is this shaped by your own experience of that sort of probably gap to the plan that you you would have had a plan when you you were say say twenty twenty five and and it was derailed. So how much does that influence the the conversations you have with your clients and and how much do you share of your own experiences with your clients? Um, see, when I came here, I didn't have a financial advisor to start with, so I had to literally do it myself, Google it myself, finding out answers and. how can i actually be something i wanted to be proud of myself when i become 60 65 and looking back i don't want to be feeling that oh i haven't done this okay that was that was one thing which i wanted to always do it um but when i started doing it then i realized you don't need to actually have a good year every year to be financially successful so it's not about the products we choose on the way but it's 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 the decision making which is really important in your life if you make two or three decisions which are good so um then you can comfortably retire then on top of it if you do that early in life it is very easy for you then somebody sitting in their 50s or 60s and saying that okay i want to comfortably retire but if i sit with somebody in their 20s we can shape them mold them very easily one of the problems the industry often just comes across is that it's it's hard to get young people in front of an advisor either because of cost or because of desire um 
so how are you reaching that sort of younger person where you where you can shape their future and it's not the the panic at 50 or 55 that you know people have left it too late um, see one one issue we have is like uh, money making has become a different earlier days in in my days when we started it was only work yes you get yourself an education and you work for somebody and you start making money otherwise you physically sell some tangible products okay now it is not the case you can become an influencer you can, there is like a lot more uh, avenues for people to make money and if you are lucky you can make a lot of money in a short period of time so the the new generation which we call them um, they don't have the patience to continue this hard work to be successful they everybody is looking for a way so that they will have enough money by tomorrow morning and see one way um, if that is one problem we have so that communicating to these people is like one challenge but if you sit in front of them if you if you look at 20 years ago or 30 years ago people used to be not really savvy with money but these days i actually have 20 year old twins a boy and a girl yeah both of them including their friends they both they all have apps where they can actually save money on a daily basis okay they go to shopping centers they do some shopping and then there is a round offs coming up uh, into their apps and the money is invested and um, i whenever i get a chance i talk to all of them and advise them on what to do how to do it so uh, i think it's very easy to reach with the social media um it's all about we have to make an effort to do that okay and um, and probably government will jump in and say yes i'm uh, i don't know in the future but otherwise we probably have to make it a part of bulk billing or something yeah yeah, yeah. like doctors pro- yeah because uh, financial health is as good as uh, your your mental and physical health financially if you are not healthy you have other problems creeping in well, if everyone's retired at 25 because they've all made this money influencing, there'll be no one to do the work. So we, yeah, I know. <laughs> we could have a problem. Be interesting to go back to to your childhood in India. Obviously, very different to you know what you came to in Australia. Maybe you could just sort of briefly describe what it what it was like growing up um, in India and in probably the, the 70s. It would be. Yeah. Um, see, my 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 dad used to be a mechanical engineer in hydroelectric project, which was um, in a tiny town in the middle of the jungle. So we were not exposed to a lot of things um, as kids. So we used to have a, um, a school in our colony. We used to go there until 17 years of age. We haven't gone outside. We haven't seen trains and planes and nothing of that sort. So it's very simple life and it should be like a lot of wild animals um, um, where we used to live. So we used to be indoors um, when it is dark and go to the school in a group and no shoes for us and and in 40 degrees temperature. and but it was all fun okay it was hard work but it was all fun i i won't i don't want to whinge about it but i am those were the challenges probably which paid now i actually when 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 i'm living in australia um i really feel how blessed i was okay so and then till 17 i was studying in a school then i had to move out to a different town to start my bachelor's and uh, i realized that i was not really good and, and because the bachelor's was in english medium and same problems with the language and stuff so i thought this is not going to work and uh, i joined air force as a as a technician in 1988 
and which actually gave me an opportunity to travel around meet a lot of people uh, be very disciplined physically very very active and i was i was um, uh, um, i had kind of an asthma as a kid so i i i overcome those health issues and i became pretty strong and i can travel alone so 11 years of my work and and then um, we got married and uh, with my wife and i'm married for about 27 years now and i have 20 year old twins so after air force um um we decided to quit the job because family life is not very easy when you are like a soldier so i moved out of the job and i started working for apple providing solutions for the film industry and stuff and then um compared to to what you make um as an income here we used to make nothing of that sort um being an engineer with indian air force i was lucky if i was making 30 australian dollars a month right which right. was not much money but we were comfortably yeah. living with that money yeah okay but the prices are different yeah yeah so yeah. um i worked for apple for 5 years and then then i we had twins and uh, uh my brother happened to come for a holiday and then he saw me <laughs> uh he wasn't very happy and he says why don't you try and apply for immigration if because even for applying for immigration it costs you a lot of money couple of thousand dollars so he said oh i'll help you with that and if 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 you were to get your migration then you can pay me later kind of thing so we landed in 2004 and uh, yeah we having we living our dream now yeah. I'm interested in that idea of dreams because you you you're in a what you describe as a very sort of simple environment, you know, the wild animals, the no shoes that that probably quite hard for many people to imagine um here in in urban Australia, but one of the uh I guess that 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 leap, that dream from you said that we didn't see trains, we didn't see and you yet you chose to join the air force. So that in itself is a it's a big dream, it's a big leap. Yeah, um when i joined air force i thought i'm going to be a pilot i didn't even know that there were like different occupations in there okay so we joined air force and and then was two and a half years of training at the end of it they will decide what kind of role you will be in so they you can be like engineer in electronics division or mechanical division and i was i was a mechanical engineer with and i used to fix aero engines yeah so you never flew a plane oh i never flew a plane So most of my life I used to fix Rolls-Royce engines um, on an Avro flight flights. Okay, so I did that for about 80 years and I worked on Dorniers for about 3 years. Okay, and before uh, I gave up my Air Force job. Cool. So I guess it was the dreams that got you there to the Air Force, the dreams that got you to Australia and you've spent your time working with people on their goals. So maybe we can just sort of finish up by talking about your own goals for the future. Sort of, you know, what is the future hold? Um see I I used to be very aggressive I always taken the uh, path that for myself not with not, not with my clients but for myself because from where I have come from and the life I am living and there is nothing to lose I wanted to give it a go I wanted to have a fairly bigger goal for myself so that I I can achieve what I can if I have to fail I know there is a job in Harvey Norman for me always that's how i looked at it but uh, fortunately i never had to do it because when you don't have an option to fail you will you will you will actually put your 100% and 
and that too when you actually like what you're doing see i'm i'm not trying to flog any product i'm actually trying to go sit with somebody and guiding them to build their wealth to be very happy and showing them a purpose in life and i have like a really happy clients and we have quite a number of people who have done really well because of my advice so all these people are our sales people okay so we don't do any marketing and 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 things are working very well and if things go well probably i'm i can retire in 6 months time that's how i am now but you won't retire in 6 months time no, sure no i probably work as long as i live <laughs> yeah because i i don't see this as work okay so i'm i'm very very happy um and i i like to work how how many hours uh, uh, hours every day and probably weekdays or weekends and uh, i can do it yeah. 24/7 there is absolutely no stress at all this is like i always feel i'm living in australia it's, it, that itself is like a holiday for me and last 18 years i've been on a holiday huh. well, it sounds like it's been a, a fantastic holiday for you so uh, look thank you for taking the time to share your journey with us and to uh, you know to share your dreams um and your goals i really appreciate it, ali uh, yeah thank you very much thank you so much that thanks for the opportunity Thanks for listening to the Investing for Life podcast. If you like what you hear, please remember to subscribe and share with your friends. For show notes from today's conversation, head to platinum.com.au.